Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. Well, as uh, Beth said, we're kicking off a new series today. And if you're brand new to Buckhead Church, it's where we take sort of a a topic or an idea and we preach a series of messages uh, from the Bible on that. And so if you are new, we're thrilled to have you with us. This is sort of the first installment uh, of three. And um, I want to start out by saying um, today uh, I'm going to introduce a framework. As a matter of fact, uh, my friend Steve Carter, one of the things he's famous for saying is he says that a healthy framework makes my life work. I love that. When you have a healthy framework or a healthy perspective, and some of you know this, around anything, that it sort of makes life work a little easier. And today, I want to offer a a new framework. And then throughout the series, we're going to talk about how we apply that um, framework uh, in some specific areas of our life, specifically uh, relationships, career, finances. Uh, We'll jump into more of that later. Um, But here's here's the the deal. The the basic framework of this is the fact that most of us uh, in life, we wake up every day and we're focused on what what we want to do and how we're going to go about doing it. What we want from life, what we want to get out of life, what we want in our lives, what what we need to do today, what we need to do this week, what we didn't do uh, yesterday or last week, what we want to get out of this season, what our goals and objectives and things are. And we not only focus on what, which there's a whole bunch of what's that we have to do every day. Some of you, by the way, if you're like me, there's other people that live with you that have what's that go onto your schedule that you have to do. But we, we get focused on what we have to do and how we're gonna go about accomplishing those things, how we're gonna be, go about getting done, what we need to do, what we want to do, and what we want out of life. Now, there's a whole bunch of different wants in terms of what we want in life or what we need to do in life. And certainly there's immediate wants. If, if you have kids, um, my kids always want more screen time on their devices. Uh, if you have teenagers, they want more freedom. Moms, you probably just want a minute to yourself, right? you just like, just leave me alone for a minute where nobody's touching me or talking to me, like, just give me some space. Dads, you just wish you could get the remote back. Like you hadn't seen it in years and you'd like to have the remote back. But those are sort of immediate wants. What I want to talk a little bit about today are ultimate wants. Some of you, if you're honest today, you, you, you've been in and out of relationships. And one of the things that you want is you'd like to get married. And you, want to, you, want to only, you don't want to only be married. You want to be happily married. Some of you are married but you're not happily married and you want to be happily married. And, and that's one of the things you want out of life. Some of you, you, you would say uh, you want to achieve financial prosperity or financial, even maybe just in the season that you're in, you want financial security. And, and sometimes people make you feel bad about that. Like you should feel bad about wanting financial prosperity and security. But I, I actually think this is something that God puts in some people's hearts and, and wires some people to do really, really well is to, to create a, a massive amount of wealth 
wealth for significant purposes. But that's some of the things that, that that's one of the things that some of us want out of life. So, some of you, um, you want to you have a successful career, and I'm pretty sure nobody carries these things anymore, but um, some of you, you, you want to have a successful career. And you don't want to just be good at your job. You want to sort of be in a job. You want to be in a role. You want to be doing something. You feel like, this is what I was created to do. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm wired to do. And you've been pursuing that. And it's something that, that's, that's a pursuit in your life. It's something that you want to experience out of life. And then others of you, if you're like me, you think towards the future. And you think there's not only things that you want out of life, there's things that you want for your kids. And there's things that you want for your family. And there's things that you want for your future. And all of these wants show up every day in small ways and in large ways, and we want to figure out how to get what we want, which leads us to the process. It leads us down a path to get what we want. We have to decide how we're going to do that. And some of you, you're really good at this. I, have to, I, I work by trial and error, but my wife's a learner, and she'll go and read. She'll go and, and study, and she'll, she'll, it'll take her a little longer to get there, but she'll do it right the first time. Uh, most of the time, I have to do it three times in the wrong way before I figure out how to do it the right way. Um, some of you are learners. Some of you are like, you know what? I'm just going to work hard. You grew up, your, your uh, parents had a great work ethic. They instilled that in you, and you're like, I'll just work harder than everybody else. I'll work longer than everybody else, but I'm going to get what I want because I'm going to work hard, and you grew up with that. Some of you, and I I can't talk about this too long because these people annoy all of us and it's not good for my sanctification. That's a big church word for uh, spirituality. But um, some of you are just lucky. How many of you hate those people? Really quick. I mean, you're not supposed to hate people, so don't raise your hand in church for hate. But, but you know, some people are just lucky, you know? And it's just like, they just, they just, they didn't even work hard for it. They didn't learn anything. It just fell in their lap and they got what they wanted. They were pursuing something. It just, they showed up at the right time. They were available in the right place. And then others of us, and, and some of you, maybe you're lucky and you thought it was your faith, but there's others of us grew up and it was like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to rely on our faith and we're going to trust God. I'm going to have faith that things are going to work out and that I'm going to get the things that, that, that are in my heart. Now, listen, I'm not going to be being critical about any of these things, about what you want or how you go about getting them. But there are uh, endless amounts of ways. I mean, you can, you can manipulate. You can, there's all sorts of ways to, I'll just, I'll just take, let's just take financial security or, or financial uh, prosperity for a second. Did you know you can earn your way, of course, into financial prosperity or financial security? You can save your way. You can invest your way. You can inherit your way. You can marry your way. You can even gamble your way into to prosperity. So there's lots of different ways to go about that. The, the linchpin, the difference for how you go about getting what you want, and this is preview for a future week, whether what you're chasing after is even worth chasing after or not is really in the question, why? This is the question of our series. The question, why? Why is it that you want what you want? Like most of the time, we just take off into here's what I want and here's where I'm going to go about, this is how I'm going to go about getting it, or here's how I saw somebody else get it. But, but if you were to stop for a second and just ask yourself, why? Why is it that you want that? And why is it that you're going to go about getting it that way? You see, the truth is, is why is the linchpin between what and how? It's just not often that we ask the question, why? 
And if you're a parent, the question why, you probably have a little parent PTSD around that because um, I have four kids and every time they want something and I say no, the, aunt, the question that they have for me is, why? Why can I have that? In fact, most recently we had this, uh, we have, uh, we really have two sets of kids. We call them the bigs and the littles. We have a 14 and 13 year old, and then we have a seven and a five year old. And my seven and five year old are into Roblox. Has anybody heard of this? Know what Roblox is? They always they constantly want to buy Robux for Roblox. I need somebody to, to explain this to me. I have no idea what they're talking about, but it's like, we want Robux for Roblox. And all I, I'm like, is, is, that, is that something you buy like coins or something on your iPad? The answer is no, we're not doing that. And they're like, well, why? I'm like, because it's, it's a waste of money. I'm not, not letting you spend your money on that. It, it, I, you need to spend your money on things that are, that are more worthwhile. And they're like, well, will you buy it for us? I'm like, if I'm not gonna let you waste your money on it, why would I waste my money on it? Like, no, we're not buying those things. They're like, I'm like, we don't spend our money on, on things that are wasteful or things that are not good for us. And, and they said, well, you buy us treats at the, at the grocery store. Good point. No more treats. We're not gonna do treats anymore. We're done with treats. Like, good point. You got, you got anything else? And they're like, like that sort of, it doesn't usually end the conversation though. They just, they keep asking why. And you, some of you've been there and that's why, why, why? And the, finally, the answer is, the answer that ends all their answers is because I said so. That's why, like, I, that's it. Like, don't ask me anymore. And I, I, if I'm telling on myself, sometimes I get there too quickly. But if we can keep this between us and you won't tell my kids, why is actually a really great question. I had a mentor one time who told me that uh, when I was thinking about doing something or trying to figure out something or trying to decide uh, a path in life or in leadership that I should ask myself why seven times. Have you ever tried this? It's a difficult thing. Well, I'm gonna, I wanna do this. Well, why? And, and, and why, what's the, what's the answer to why to that question and that question? And, and it's a really challenging thing, but he, he, the thing he was trying to get me to is what's the core why? Because why is an indication of purpose and meaning. Why indicates the meaning of, and, and, and the significance of, of why we want to get married, the purpose of marriage, the purpose of money, the purpose of success and career, the purpose of future and family. What, does the, what do those things mean? What's the purpose and significance of them? You see, your why, it actually reveals something. It's sort of a buzz phrase in our society right now. Your why reveals your end game. What's your end game for marriage? What's your end game for financial prosperity? What's your end game for career? What's your end game for family? Listen, you know this. The end game isn't the money. The end game isn't the relationship. The end game isn't the career. There's something beneath that that's driving you. And your why will not only determine whether what you want is worth wanting or not, but it will also determine the path and the direction you take to accomplish and to achieve the things that you want out of life. Big picture idea, the big overarching idea for the series is your why ultimately determines your way. Your why, your why for, uh, your big why for life, but your why for, for your career and your family and your relationships, your why behind those things will ultimately determine the way in which you go about to accomplish those things. And a wrong why will always lead you in the wrong way. I could tell you story after story after story 
people who call me or sent me an email or want to get together with me, and they're like, I don't know how I got to this place. I don't know why I did this. I don't know what I was thinking. And the end, at the end of the day, the answer was why. When they discovered their why, they discovered how they lost their way. When I was early in high school, I think I was a freshman in high school, I was an underclassman and there were some upperclassmen that I wanted to get, I wanted to have the favor of. They were, I was, I was uh, playing soccer and I'd always played up and I, I wanted to play on the varsity team as an underclassman my freshman, sophomore year. I didn't want to wait, you know, and sort of until I was an upperclassman. And so um, I had been going to camps and uh, I really felt like I was, I put myself in the right position and got some good coaching to, but I need, I felt like I needed to be in with the upperclassmen if they were going to want me to be on the team. I felt like that would matter in me making the team specifically with the captains of the team. And I remember uh, one day uh, in, in uh, sort of the preseason, uh, before school had started, before the season started, we're doing camp. Some of you did that with sports. Um, we're in training. One day, uh, we, instead of having two days, we got the afternoon off. They're like, hey, we're going to the bridge. And when people where I grew up were, said we're going to the bridge, they meant the Hindensville Bridge. And it's this bridge right here. Now, this bridge, there was a, there was a river that went through the middle of our town. And um, there was the east and west side of town, and, and this, is a, this is a one-lane bridge. It was sort of on the north side of the east, east and west side of town. So the, imagine this. There's a one-lane bridge that connects now downtown towards in the city. There's two different bridges that, that connect. Uh, there's a lot more shopping and a lot more places to eat and stuff down there. But on the north end where the suburbs were, there was just this one bridge that crossed the river. And it was a single lane bridge and uh, teenagers loved to hang out there. There were a lot of parties that happened there when I was in high school. But specifically, the reason we like to go there is because people like to jump off the bridge. And I didn't know, I knew we were gonna go. We we're probably gonna go swimming. We're gonna hang out, jump off the bridge. But that day, the upperclassmen, I didn't know this was initiation, but I was being initiated and we got there and they're like, no, no, we're not just jumping off this part of the bridge, which is about 30 feet off the water. We're gonna actually climb up here and we're gonna jump off this part of the bridge, which is another 25 feet in the air. And I was like, I can do this. Like, I'm going to be in this crowd. They're going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so I'll show you another picture real quick, by the way. Um, this, this actually, the sign uh, says no climbing or swimming. It was not there when I was in high school. <laughs> I think we might be the reason that the sign is there. But you can see this. We used to grab the metal girders and literally we'd hold on to the sides. And it's hard to imagine how steep this is. But you literally hold on and you climb up to the top. And then you shimmy across and you're going to jump off. And I got up to the top and I'm the only underclassman up there with all these upperclassmen. And they're all up there either standing or sitting on the side. And I'm hugging the girder, literally my arms and legs around it. And I'm like, why am I doing this? What was I thinking? How did I get here? And some of you know, you've been in that place where you got to a place and you're asking the question why, and it's too late. It's too late. It, 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 there, there's only one way down. There, there's only, you're only, you've got to face your fear. You're in the middle of a mess. And, and I know it's not just me. Your, your story, for some of you, you were trying to impress a girl or you were trying to impress a guy or you were trying to impress your boss or you were trying to achieve something. You were trying to get something and you got yourself into something that you couldn't get out of. You committed yourself to something that you couldn't uncommit from. And the truth is, is you were driven by a why. You just never started by discovering what that why was. You just jumped into and started chasing the things that you wanted, the what's. And you, to, you chose to do that by certain means and, and how you were gonna accomplish, how you thought you best could accomplish, how somebody else accomplished getting what 
you wanted. Now, here's, here's the thing. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, stretch this a little bit today, but um, I, I understand that you guys are some of the, the most uh, intellectually astute people in, in Atlanta. That's what I'm told. So I'm going to hold you to that. Um, most of our wives, whether you realize it or not, they're driven by ideology. Now, uh, ideology, by definition, is a system of ideas that form social and economical and political theories. But for our purposes today, I want to reduce ideologies are just the things um, that shape our cultural norms and values. You know this in our society. We have, we have a certain set of cultural norms and values uh, that we all live by. Different societies, if you've been in uh, other countries, you've traveled internationally, you know there's different, there are different sets of cultural norms and values. Well, we have these. And whether you recognize it or not, you've been shaped by the cultural norms and values, and I have as well, that we have grown up into. Here, here's some of those those. Those, those values. You know, one of the things we say is that everyone's entitled to happiness. Like whether you would put, you know, put this bumper sticker on your car or not, you, this, we all sort of believe this. Like I'm entitled to be happy. You're entitled to be happy. Everybody's entitled to happiness. We don't know where we got that from. We just think that sounds good. That's a good idea. That seems right. And not only that, like hard work, that should lead to prosperity. Hard work should, should lead to us being successful. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with the system. There's something wrong with the society because if somebody works hard and, and it doesn't pay off, then the system's working against them because hard work should lead to prosperity. And freedom, freedom val validates individualism. Like I should have the freedom in this country, if we're really a free country, I should have the freedom to believe what I wanna believe, to do what I wanna do, to act the way I wanna act because that's freedom. And it leads to this individualism that is not, we're sort of, I'm independent of the community and it shouldn't matter. I should get to do whatever I want, however I want to achieve what I want out of life. And these are just cultural norms and values that we all live in the midst of. It's sort of the flow of our culture. And here's the thing, you may agree or disagree with these things. Just so you know, that's not my point. I know some of you are going, so wait, wait do you agree with those? Are those good or are those bad? My point is not that. My point is that these ideologies and many more like them, they shape our wise. More than anything else, these things become the wise of our lives. But as Jesus followers, as Jesus followers, we shouldn't form the foundation of our lives based on ideology. Ideology shouldn't shape our why. Now, these things aren't all bad. In fact, you could find some biblical support for all of these things. In fact, you can find biblical support for almost anything if you isolate a certain verse in a certain place. But, but here's the thing. Generally, ideologies are not something we're to base our lives on. Uh, John Mark Comer, uh, who's an author and pastor, one of the most thoughtful pastors I know. He's written a couple of books that I've read. Um, he says this about ideology. He says the, the, the common denominator in all ideologies is that they put humanity, don't miss this, they put humanity and its ways and its moral reasoning and its autonomy from God at the center rather than God and his ways and his judgments of good and evil and his authority at the center of our lives. You see, instead of ideology, big church word, what should be at the center of our lives is theology. 
Now, some of you are going, well, that's, isn't that like what professional Christians like you, isn't that what your job is, like to, to, to think about theology? No, no, theology is just the, the truth of God and his way and his will, what we believe about God and, and what he's instructed to us and our purpose in life. And that theology, as Jesus followers, is to be at the center of our, our life. And, and ideology, real quick, the difference between the two is ideology is, is man-centered. It's, it's human reasoning. And at the center of it, whether you recognize it or not, it's to become independent and autonomous from God and to stand on our own. This is a sermon for another day. But did you know, this was at the heart of the original sin. In Genesis 3, in the garden, uh, you remember man and his wife were motivated by the knowledge of God, the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that, that represented that in the middle of the garden. They wanted to, the serpent said, if you eat of this, your eyes will be open and you will be like God or like a God. And it was the desire to be autonomous, to be our own authority to be uh, someone who didn't have to answer to someone else. It's those things that shape our ideologies. And then there's theology. Theology is God-centered. And we don't like this as much because we're not at the center of it. It's God-centered. It's divine wisdom. It recognizes that there's an authority over all of us that we are to submit and surrender our lives to. Now, if you have a Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 25, if you have a device, I'll give you a second uh, to turn to it. I'm gonna give you a little context. Or if you have a Bible with you, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, um, I actually don't know if we have any, but if you go to the information center, give them your name and I will make sure there's a Bible waiting there for you next week. I would love for you to have a Bible if you don't have one. But Matthew chapter 25, it's in the New Testament. There's four accounts of Jesus's life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a made up story. Now, he did this often. They called him parables. And he, he's telling this made-up story, and it's specifically about a master and his servants. Some of you have heard this story before. Uh, a man's leaving on a long journey. I'm going to call it a lifelong journey. He leads on this long trip, and he entrusts three servants with his wealth. And he, he entrusts each of them with different amounts of wealth. Uh, again, some of you have heard this story before, and you, you've heard it as the parable of the talents. In the translation uh, we're going to look at today, it talks about bags of silver. Your translation may say bags of gold. It's just because translators have had difficult time. I'm going to translate it into our language. The, the actual term was talents, and a talent equals 6,000 days wage. So 6,000 denarii or 6,000 days wage. If you were to take the average income in Georgia right now, and you were to, take, to, to shrink that down to a single day's wage and multiply that by 6,000, that's $1.2 million. So one of these bags of silver was worth $1.2 million. And another guy got two bags and that was worth $2.4 million. And another guy got $6 million worth of the wealth of this master. So he's entrusted a tremendous amount of resources to these, to these different servants. And, and it's, it's again, $1.2 million per bag. If you have your, your Bible open, I, wanna, I just wanna read this. I wanna read this, uh, the rest of this peril real quick. After entrusting these, um, this is what happened. Beginning of verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account on how they used his money. So he, he's been gone and he's been gone for a really long time and he's come back and it's like, okay, what did you do with what I gave you, with what I entrusted to you? The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags, notice the word, he recognized this wasn't his, this was entrusted to him. 
The, the, the servant whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. And he said this, he said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise for him. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Some of you have heard those words before. You wonder where they came from. They came from a made up story that Jesus telling us about how life works. You have been faithful in handling this small amount so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Or your translation may say, come share in my happiness or come share in my joy. The servant uh, who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. Master said again, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver, he came and he said, master, I knew you were a harsh man. Notice how differently he related to the master. I, I knew you were a harsh man in, in this way in harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, meaning you're shrewd and you've got a lot of other people and, and because of the way in which you work, you're able to, 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 to create way more results than anybody else. And I knew no matter what I did, I, you weren't gonna be happy with my results. And because uh, that's the way you are, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. To which you could say, oh, maybe, maybe that guy did the right thing. Maybe, maybe he knew he couldn't produce the results that the, the master wanted and maybe he was gonna lose it. And so he was just afraid and maybe he was humble and knew his own ability. But the master didn't see it that way. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Which seems a little harsh, but he goes on, he says, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Like when you knew that I leveraged everything I had and I leveraged my skill for, for greater and greater results, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Look at this. To those who use well what they are given. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given to them. And they will have an abundance. They'll have even a more than they could possibly imagine. Those who use well what I've entrusted to them, they'll have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, there's a lot of different things that are going on in this story, and we could, we could turn this, this parable into a whole series of messages. And this is obviously a metaphor. Jesus told these stories to help people understand God's perspective, the kingdom of heaven's perspective on life. And there's so much going on here that we can't unpack, but at a macro level, this story is about stewardship. And it's about two different types of servants that are stewards. The, the first one is a, fear, a, a faithful servant. There were two faithful servants. And then there was a fearful servant. And the faithful servant, he grew, they, they grew the master's wealth uh, by leveraging what had been entrusted to them according to the will and the values of the master. The master came back and it wasn't just the amount. He was pleased in the way in which they went about multiplying his wealth and the way they went about stewarding what had been entrusted to them. He was pleased and 
He called them faithful servants. And then there was the fearful servant. He wasn't sure that he could ever live up to. He wasn't sure that he would ever amount to enough. He wasn't sure that, that he would accomplish enough to make the master happy. And so he hid it. He didn't do anything that w- with what was entrusted to him. Now, we, 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 I'm reading between the lines. He probably did a whole bunch of other things. He just didn't do anything with the stuff that the master had entrusted to him. Now, this story reveals a lot of things. But this story reveals specifically one of the end games, if not the end game or the why of life. The end game, this end game of life, it's not about what we want, but about what God wants. It's not about what we want or how we're going to go about accomplishing what we want. Those things are built on our ideologies. Most often, they're built on the cultural norms and values of what we see in the world around us. It's like, well, those people seem happy. Those people seem like they're getting ahead. So I want what those people have. And how did they go about getting it? I'm going to follow how they went about getting it. And we rarely understand why we're chasing after what we're chasing after. We rarely understand why we're being driven toward those things. The end game that Jesus is trying to help us understand is that this is about how God wants us to live. It's not about what we want or how we want to go about getting it. It's about how God has instructed to us. And I'll just say this real quick. What God wants for you and where God wants you to be is the best place for you to be. All of our life pursuits are rooted in our ultimate why. So here's the question is, what's your why? Because as we said earlier, a wrong why will always lead you in the wrong way. You, you, when, 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 but when you find the ultimate why of life, you find the ultimate way. And, and if you think about it, this is actually the pursuit of life. We're all trying to find the what's that we want that we think are gonna fulfill us, that are gonna be the ultimate things of, ah, this is why I was created. This is what I was created to experience. This is what I was created to do. And so we, we chase the, all these what's to, to experience the, this ultimate kind of life. But maybe you've never heard this before. This is what Jesus came to promise us. In fact, in John 10, 10, he said, the enemies come to steal and kill and destroy. And the enemy's involved in all sorts of man-centered ideologies because if he can get you to center your life around you, then your life won't be centered around God. This is what happened at the very beginning in the garden. And the reality is, is Jesus is going, no, 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 here's what you need to understand. You need an ultimate why that will carry you and lead you along the ultimate way in life, and when you find the ultimate why, the right ultimate why, you'll find the ultimate way. When you you find the ultimate why, you'll find the right way, the best way. Jesus said the most abundant way to experience a life that I came to make possible for you in this life and in the life to come. And the ultimate why that he says right in the beginning, the ultimate why is to eventually get to the end and hear these words: "Well done, my good." and faithful servant. Now, this is important. There's two things in this, good and faithful. Did you know, you know, I've seen so many times people twist this idea of good. But Jesus, you have to understand all of his teachings and context. Jesus, when he, they came to him, some of, some of the Pharisees called him good teacher. And he stopped me and said, wait, wait, hold on a second. You call me good teacher. Did you know nobody's good but God? 
Why do you call me good? Jesus's point was nobody can be good apart from God. And, and some of you, if, you, if you're new to church, you may not know this. Somebody may have told you a long time ago that, that God wants you to be good. And so we all, we try to be good. And I'm, I'm gonna try to be gooder than you. And I know gooder is not a word, but I'm gonna be the goodest that I can be. And if I'm gooder than you, I feel better about me. And if I'm the goodest person I know, then I feel like I'm in a good place in life and I'm in a good place with God. But Jesus made it really clear that none of us are good apart from God. See, good is God's part. You see, we become good when we surrender our lives to Jesus as Savior. That's, that's what the, the New Testament teaches us, is that, that we become the righteousness of God when we surrender our life and put our faith in Jesus. That's how you become good. It, it, it's not about what we do. It's about what he has done on our behalf. That's what makes us good. Good is God's part, but faithful is our part. Faithful is the part that, that we get to play. This is about not surrendering to Christ as Savior. That's what good is. This is about surrendering to Christ as Lord, as Master. It's not about what we want anymore, about how we're gonna go about getting it. It's gonna go, you know what? God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna surrender to you, not just as Savior, I need rescuing. I'm gonna trust you as my Lord and my Master, as my instructor, as the one who knows what's best for me. I'm gonna be open and available to whatever, whenever. It's signing a blank check saying, yes, Lord. Now tell me what you want me to do. The answer is yes. If you'll make clear, you'll make certain what I'm supposed to do, I will follow you and I will make choices in my life according with your will. You know, you know this. Every day you wake up and you make choices about what you want, about what you want to get out of life, about what you want to experience in life, and you implement strategies. You figure out ways about how to get what you want. But you know what drives all your choices about what and how? They're all driven and they're all rooted in the question why. Throughout this series, we're gonna talk about specific biblical whys, biblical whys for marriage and biblical whys for career and for finances. But today's question, the question I have for you is, what's your end game? Like, what's your ultimate, your ultimate why? And what is that why based on? Who's driving that why? Is it man-centered ideology or is it God-centered Theology. Now, we all run into, into different circumstances and situations in life when this happens. A, a little over seven years ago, um, my wife and I were, had planned a vacation uh, to go to, to Scottsdale, Arizona. We were going out with our family, and I had a friend who contacted me and said, hey, um, I have a, there's a church that I'm working with out in Arizona, and, um, and there, there's a moral failure with their pastor, and they're without a pastor, and, and he, he was trying to fill in their, their weekends with, with people who could preach. And um, he said, listen, I know you and your family, you vacation out there from time to time. I was like, we actually already have a, a, a vacation uh, plan on the books. We're gonna be there over these two weekends. I can't do both. I have little kids. My wife will kill me if I do both, but I can pick one of those weekends and I can preach. And so he did. And I went out, I, I, I drove down from where we were uh, to preach at this church. And, and, um, and I'll just, to be totally honest with you, it was sad. Like it was, I could feel like the, the sorrow in the place and it was, they were in a difficult spot. It was a large church, but um, you know, they were declining quickly because of what had happened. And it was just really difficult. And so I, I tried to encourage them the best I could and encourage their staff. And, and um, it was wild because uh, the, you know, that weekend, it seemed like people felt encouraged and seemed encouraged. And I went back on vacation. It was the first weekend we were there. I went back on vacation, didn't really think much about it, got home. And two weeks later, 
um, I got an email from one of the leaders of the church. And he said, um, hey, uh, I just wanted to say thank you. Please thank your wife for giving up part of your vacation for you to be able to be here and preach. And, and um, that, was, that was so great. And, and it seems like, you know, uh, the church really connected with you and was encouraged. And look, I know you're in a great situation where you are. And time out. I, at the time, I was the lead pastor at North Point. I'd started... Uh, 17 years earlier as the first intern in the organization, I had spent about four or five years here at Buckhead Church. I went back to North Point to take over for Andy. I was the first lead pastor there. Had been doing that for a number of years. Lived in a neighborhood with my brother and my sister and their kids. All our kids went on, got on the bus and went to school together at a school halfway between our house and the church. And I only lived two miles from the church. And so like, I, like life couldn't be better. Like it, we were in a great spot. And he's like, it seems like you're in a, you're in a good spot. And, uh, but... Um, you know we have an opening, and if you'd be op- if you'd be open to a conversation uh, about that, um, we'd love to have a conversation with you. And you know, I thought it was a nice email, so I forwarded it to my wife. And uh, a few days later, um, we're laying in bed, and um, she said, "Hey, did you want to talk about that email?" And I genuinely had no idea what she was talking about. I was like, "What, what email?" And she's like, the one from the church in Arizona. I was like, oh yeah, wasn't that nice? I thought that was super nice. It was encouraging. Like they were grateful for us being there and and serving. And she goes, no, no, not that part. Like, would you be interested in doing that? And I was like, no, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Like that church is in a bad place. They're not gonna trust. Like somebody needs to do that. Like somebody should, God should call somebody to go do that. But we live in a neighborhood with my brother and sister and their, their cousins and we know our neighbors. I baptized a bunch of our neighbors and we, and, and you know, our school and this, the church, and I went on and on and on about why this was such a terrible idea. And are you trying to ruin our lives? Like, what, what do you mean? Are you, are you interested in this? And she was silent. And I was like, okay, like, what do you think? She's still silent. Babe? She had fallen asleep while I was talking the whole time. <laughs> now, you're going to hear a lot of stories from me over the times. So you're going to find a theme like I talk too long and she falls asleep often. So if it happens to you in church, just know I'm nor- it's normal for me. I- I- I'm used to people falling asleep while I'm talking. But um, I-, I-, I remember being all hot and bothered. This is a little strange. I got up. I was wearing a long sleeve T-shirt. I went in my closet and I took a, a T-shirt off a hanger. Yes, I do hang up my T-shirts. So... I know that's weird, but I, I took my T-shirt off the hanger and I've never heard the audible voice of God in my life, but I remember as soon as I took the T-shirt off the hanger, this thought came into my head like a voice in my head and it said, are you really open to whatever I have for you? And I stood there for what felt like 15 minutes, it was probably two, and I said out loud, I said, nope, not this. <laughs> True story. I went and got in bed, and I slept great. <laughs> so in the morning, I was telling Jenna, I was like, hey, um, so what did you think about our conversation last night that you did not participate in? And she's like, what do you mean? Oh, I'm so sorry. I just, I just wondered how you felt about that and thought about that. And I told her the whole story, and, and I was sort of chuckling, and, and she was like, I'm not sure that's funny. And I was like, what part? She's like, doesn't it bother you that you're not open to whatever God has for you? I was like, I wasn't until now. <laughs> and I didn't really mean it like that. I mean, I, I, just, I just don't think this is the right thing for us and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, so you want to be open to this? She goes, oh, I don't want to move. I just, I just think it's not good that you're not open to whatever God has for you. I was like, okay. So I wrote the guy back. I said, I'm open to a conversation. 
And I remember in that first conversation, uh, they were telling me what they were looking for and what they what they were looking for in a pastor and sort of the value, sort of the, where the direction the church was headed in. I was like, Phew, this is not me. Like, this isn't for me. I'm not the right guy. I explained all that to him. And at the end of the meal, he's like, I think for all those reasons, you're the right guy. I was like, what conversation were you just in? I said, okay, well, you go back and tell them you, you tell the board like all about our conversation. If they're interested, I said, you represent it just the way it happened. And I said, if they're still interested, I'll be open to another conversation. And that conversation led to another one, to another one, to another one. I, I ultimately was sitting at lunch one day with Andy. And I said, hey, um, this is a true story. I said, tell me I don't have to go do this. He said, I don't want you to go, but I, I think you have to go do this. You know, there's sometimes you're looking for a better opportunity. Sometimes... Um, you're, you're disgruntled with where you are and sometimes God just calls you to go do something and I think this is that. He said, unless you're unhappy or you're looking at it, I said, no, no, no. I, I said, I, that's what I'm wrestling with and, and ultimately we picked up and we, we moved our family across the country and when we first got there, it was terrible. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it was, it was so hard. It was so difficult. We, we walked into, it was not a leadership challenge I was ready for. I'd never been a part of a turnaround. Like it was all super difficult. And we first got there, I thought we didn't, I, I hoped we didn't have to stay long. But I have to tell you, the more, more recent uh, days, I never thought we'd leave. Um, in recent days, uh, we've learned to love the people there. And we were in the best small group we've ever been in our lives. And, and uh, um, the things massively turned around in the church and our kids were thriving in school and in sports and they were serving in the church and they were part of small groups of the church and 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 you know we we, we learned to love uh, the culture and even the heat it's dry heat so we even learned to love love the heat out there and and fast forward to this past summer and and we were in town visiting family because all my family still lives here and we we're in, in town visiting uh, family and Andy reached out to me he said hey can can we do lunch and we sat down to eat lunch and and he said this, he said, hey, listen, I've wanted you to come back in the past and we've talked about different job opportunities, but now I feel like we need your help. And um, I just wanna know, like, are you open to coming back? And it was sort of a trigger word for me in like a good way. And I was like, oh no, Lord, not now. Like, this isn't the right time. <laughs> like, this is not, like, we've done this before. Like, I've been through this and, I know, I know not to say I'm not open because then I end up going to the desert um, with my family across the country. It's like, I, I, okay, I'm open. But I didn't think that was necessarily going anywhere. And we had one conversation and led to another conversation. And um, so when he, when he first said, hey, here's what I'm thinking and here's what I want you to do. And I want you to come to Buckhead Church. And I thought, well, we don't have to do this. I mean, we sat down, we have two older kids, 14 and 13. And I, we sat them down and I, I said, um, we put our littles to bed and Jen and I sat down with... Um, the two of them, sorry, it's still fresh for me. And um, I don't forget, I just said, hey, listen, uh, we have this opportunity and we're trying to decide, is this what God wants us to do? And we really want you guys to start praying with us because, you know, my oldest is gonna be a freshman in high school and my daughter's in eighth grade and you guys are old enough to speak in this decision. And, and I wanna know, like, what do you think? What do you think about this? And, you know, me and mom just found out about this and there's no decision made. You, you deserve to speak into this. And, um, my daughter was sort of like, she's always up for adventure. She's like, I think I'm 60, 40, like going. Like, I'm like, well, what about all this stuff? She's like, yeah, it just sounds like a great adventure. And, and then my son, Talon, um, he said, well, well, dad, um, the last time we did what God wanted us to do, it worked out pretty good for us. And those are words you can't put in your child's mouth, you know? 
he is the same age that um, my number three. My two little guys are pretty close in age, but he was closer to their age when we moved. And he was watching. And he recognized that the best thing to do in life is to follow and do what God wants you to do. Now, here's the thing. Here's what you need to know. This, like, this didn't make any sense. Like, this is a fantastic opportunity. But at the age my kids were at and Arizona had become home in so many ways, even though my wife grew up here and, and my family's here and there's a lot of that that feels like home and the age of our kids, it just, a lot of it didn't make sense. It felt like, God, if you're gonna do that, why did you ever make us move? Or why don't you wait until later? And, and, and here's the thing, we ask all those questions like, can we be happy and do we fit there? And will this work out? And do you know what all of that is? All of that is ideology. All that's ideology. When you ask the question, God, what's your will and what's your way? That's when you get into theology, God's ideas. I want to take you back real quick to to the story that Jesus told us. This is how the, the story, where we began. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account. You know, many times in my life, I've imagined myself standing before the master. But I don't want you to get derailed or distracted by my story today and miss what God might be saying to you or stirring inside of you because you too, one day you will be called to give an account. And I tell you that not because I want you to be fearful. Because that's the point of the story. You don't have to be fearful. This isn't a call to be fearful of that day. It's to wonder what it looks like to be faithful to that day. My question for you today is, are you really open to whatever God has for you? Whenever, whatever, however he leads you, because that will matter forever. Come on, what's your why? What's your ultimate why? What's your end game in life? Sometimes God's leading us to let go of things that we've been holding on to, things we've been chasing after, things we think we have to have to be happy, to be okay, to experience the abundance that we all want to experience, the abundance that Jesus promised. And sometimes he's trying to lead us to let go of some of those things because they've taken an ultimate space in our lives that they were never meant to occupy. I just want you to imagine for a second if everyone in this room and everyone online, even if the other service flakes out, if everyone in this room and everyone online was completely open and available to whatever God wanted us to do, imagine what would happen in this life. Imagine what would happen in this community. Not only would your world change, the world would change. Our city would change. Andy's famous for saying this, it happened once and it can happen again. Imagine this is your heavenly father and my heavenly father who sent his son calling us to answer the bell, to answer the call. We're gonna close the service with a song available and it's not fair. It's not fair, it's, it's a very emotional song. It's, it's, it's a very challenging song, but I wanna give you an opportunity to respond today. I wanna challenge you to respond today to what God's stirring in you, to what you heard today. Some of you may be responding for the very first time. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And there, you know, there's something amazing about our physical posture. 
That oftentimes, even when our heart or our head is not ready, when our physical posture changes, we become more open. And so for some of you, as we're singing this song, some of you, you're just gonna wanna stand. And you wanna go, God, just see me in this moment. Help me in this moment. Clarify for me in this moment. I want you to know I wanna be open and available to whatever you have for me. Some of you may wanna raise your hand and go, God, today for the first time, I just wanna say yes to you. I wanna say yes, lead me where you want me. I said yes to you a long time ago in faith and I wanna know, I wanna surrender to you as Lord today. Lead me where you want me to go. Maybe some of you wanna surrender to Jesus for the first time as your savior. You wanna raise your hand to that. Others of you maybe just need to sit and hold your hands open to God and say, God, I, I wanna hold with open hands. This matters for my family, for my future, for my kids. But what everything, everything that is in my hands right now are things you placed in my hand. And I know you can take anything out of my hands. Even if I'm holding them tight, you can take them out of my hands. So I just hold with open hands all that you've entrusted to me. Help me to know what to do with what you've entrusted to me. Let's pray together. God, I just ask you today, by faith in Jesus, that you would help someone who's online, someone who's in the room, somebody who's listening to my voice today to recognize that what's stirring inside of them is not my words. It's not the music that's playing behind me. It's your spirit stirring inside of them. Maybe they're wrestling with letting go of a relationship that's not good for them or letting go of a career that's not what you want for them. Maybe it's letting go of selfishness that's keeping them from experiencing what you want for them in a relationship or in a career or in their finances. God, I just pray today that you'd bring clarity in their heart and mind to exactly what you're leading them to do in the next step. I believe that's possible. And may we be people, may we be people that are not only open and available, maybe we be people that are motivated and inspired to run hard after all that you have for us, knowing that your will and your way is what's best for us in this life and in the life to come. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.